Judy, I missed that. So Judy's going to be reading scripture from Ephesians chapter 2. You can follow along with her. She's reading from the, the NIV. Ephesians 2, 11 to 22. Remember, formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Judy, this is the word of the Lord. Keep your finger there. We are going to um, come back to that and reference that. Um, and this morning, I am going to do something just a little more topical. Um, earlier this year... Um, really felt like I wanted to address where we stood on baptism and be clear what we believed about communion, the Lord's Supper. So we did those. And today I really want to talk about the nature of the church because um, it's something that I think a lot of people, especially in Western culture, don't get very well. So um, I want to start with this. I'm really curious with this question. Um, see if I can get that turned on. What comes to your mind when you hear the words church membership? I want to know what does that mean to you? Um, what's the primary way you really think of that word membership when you see that? And I also really want to know, I'm curious, when you see those words, are your feelings mainly positive? Are they negative? Are they neutral? Um, for me, those words were negative the first time I heard them. I mean, a lot of you know, I didn't grow up in church. And so I came to Jesus and was joining this new family of God that I was a part of. And the first time I heard them talk about church membership um, I was a little bit surprised uh, because I knew you could be a member of a service organization. I knew that you could join like a country club, right, and be a member at a country club, and you could get all the perks and the privileges of being a part of a country club. Um, that was my thinking about it. That's what I understood. And I was like, Some, wow, church, like church, you, your churches have memberships? Like, that's interesting. I asked somebody recently in the church, like, when you hear the word member, what's the first word that comes to mind? And they said Costco was the first thing that came to mind. Uh, things, my how times have changed. Or Sam's Club, right? Um, it's all about what you get out of it. It's, 
it's goods and services, right? Um, it's, you're either a platinum member or a premium member and you get better services or whatever. It's all about being served, the rewards and the benefits. And that's why that whole thing of membership really confused me for a long time. And in the church where I first became a Christian, when they talked about membership, it was a lot about voting rights. And I was just like, like, that's like what businesses do, or that's what a legislature does. And it, it kind of confused me. And so the, that whole concept just never sat with me very well. Um, and he, but I will say this, even though I didn't fully get the idea, and it kind of, I had some questions about it, we became, I became a member of that church, and after I moved to Springfield, became a member there, and everywhere Pat and I went, we became a member because we just wanted to say, we're in with you, we want to follow Jesus, we want to be on mission, so we're throwing our, our lot in with you guys. And I'll confess, it didn't occur to me for a long, long time, you'd be surprised how long, to really get that the word member is actually a biblical word. For a long time, I didn't know that. You'd, I'd read it, but for some reason, it would just, I would, I would totally miss it. And I think the, my misunderstanding of the idea of being a member is because I was really thinking culturally and not biblically. And so what I want to do today is I want to step back a little bit, and I want to talk about what's the nature of the church, and I want us to think biblically about what it means to be, um, to be the church, okay? And how I want to start with that is throughout the Bible, in the Old and New Testament, God always works with a community of people, always works with a community, people who love him, who worship him, and who are on mission with him, that that's what he's always been longing for. And in the Old Testament and New Testament both, both of those communities were covenant communities. And I'm going to come back to that idea in a minute because it's really significant, but they were both covenant communities. And in the New Testament, when you get the New Testament, um, when you see God talking about the church or his ecclesia, that's the Greek word, the gathering of his people, the community of Jesus, God used multiple analogies to try to illustrate what that body was supposed to be or what the church was supposed to be. And I'm just going to take a minute to hit these. I'm not going to read the scripture related. But one of those is, is he calls his church a temple. A temple. He also calls it in 1 Corinthians 3.9 a building. And in the same scripture, he calls the church a field. Calls it in Ephesians 2. We just read citizens. There's a couple of places he talks about the church as a nation. A flock is a common metaphor God used for the church. Um, forgive me, this is just how my brain works, but I got to show you that picture close up because it is so funny. You look at that and you're like, I see why God calls us sheep, right? That's, you ever feel that way in your spiritual life? Uh, I do. So he calls us a flock. He calls his church a bride. The two most common are he calls his church a body and he calls it a family, a body and a family. And what I want you to see with that, by showing you that, there's a reason, is that the primary way that God speaks about his church, the primary way is organically, not organizationally. It's organically. And even when he talks about like a temple in 1 Peter 2, he says that it's a building built by living stones and that we're a priesthood. So he even takes that organizational model or that, I, that metaphor, and he makes it something that's kind of organic. And I want to show you something that I totally overlooked that I had never seen. That, that, that I said it a minute ago, but the word member is actually a biblical word. The member is actually a biblical word. And the two most important places we see member relate to two of these analogies. In fact, I would say the two most important of these analogies in the New Testament. As a body 
and the church as a family, as a body and as a family. So first, I want to show you the word member when it's used of speaking of the church as a body. And I've got these scriptures up here. In Ephesians 4.25, Paul writes, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In Ephesians 5.30, we are members of his body. In Romans 12.4-5, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many form one, well, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. If I could turn you to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses especially 12 to 27. In the King James, because member was a more prominent word used back then, but the word member occurs 14 times in 1 Corinthians 12, 14 times. So member is used when speaking of the church as a body, and it's used when speaking of the church as a family. And that's what we just read. Um, Judy was reading about this, of God putting all believers into one body. And in verse 19, consequently, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Members of his household. So I just want to say again that when the Bible speaks of members, it's not speaking organizationally, but it's speaking organically. It's speaking organically. That's the emphasis. Um, and maybe it's because of my upbringing. I don't know. But I still, for a long time, when I heard that word member, I thought of an organization like the Rotary Club, something like that. But that's not at all what the Bible has in mind when it talks about being a member. And I think it's really clear in the New Testament that the church, they thought of themselves as a body, as the body of Jesus. And local churches thought of themselves as a family. And they thought of themselves as a member of that body. And they thought of themselves as a member of that family. And so for a long time, I was the one that was actually missing the point. Uh, my idea of member is what was off kilter. So let me take this a step, a step beyond that, if you don't mind. So that the idea of member is actually a biblical concept. And it fits with God's description of his church organically as a body and as a family, okay? And we're going to come back to that in a minute. Someone's defined church this way. The church of Jesus Christ is a community of redeemed sinners bound to their Lord and to one another through the covenant of grace. And they define it that way because in the, at the Lord's Supper, after the supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. And that word you in the Greek is plural. So in other words, it's poured out for y'all. Okay, And I want you to know the y'all that he's talking about is his church, all right? That we've entered this new covenant, and it is not just individually, but it's for us as a church. That God has called us, plural, into a covenant relationship with himself. That Christ has created us to be a covenant people, not just individuals who are saved, but we are to be a people of God. We are to be a body. We're to be a family, a covenant community. So we are the covenant people of God. And I want to tell you, this language, I don't know, you may think, I don't know, how, how important is that? It's really, really important. And I want to tell you why. Because our culture no longer lives with a covenant understanding of relationships. Things like marriage, um, family, church, that our culture, the, the idea of those covenantal relationships is long gone. The, the emphasis in our culture right now is on what's called contractual relationships. In a minute, I'm going to tell you the difference. 
And it's called contractual not because there's an actual contract signed. It's called contractual because relationships now are primarily understood as, it's kind of I'm in a contract, I'll stay in that relationship as long as it meets my needs and as long as it makes me grow. But as soon as it stops meeting my needs and stops making me grow, I am free to leave that relationship. That's how everything in our society is functioning this way. Marriage now functions that way. Sexual relationships function that way. People being a part of the church functions that way. And I want to tell you that um, that covenantal understanding of relationships is so different because it means I'm in a relationship unconditionally and for the long haul. Let me make some distinctions between them. So that contractual relationship, it's transactional. It's all about the individual benefit. It's calculated and it's conditional. Um, These kind of relationships reflect our culture's consumer values. And they're self-centered. But covenantal relationships are the total opposite. They are transformational. There's this mutual commitment that's involved in it. They are committed and they're unconditional. Rather than reflecting our culture's values, they reflect the character of God, and they're other-centered. Contractual relationships are all about having my needs met. Um, All of my effort goes into the growth of my own self, the well-being of myself. But in a covenantal relationship, in a covenantal, it's all about meeting the needs of the other. And my focus is on the growth and the health of the community as a whole. And I just want to tell you at 12... Because we've been talking about this as leadership. We at 12th in the leadership, we reject our culture's current emphasis on contractual relationships. We outright reject that. And we re- embrace a covenantal understanding of what it means to be the people of God. And I want you to know, this contractual way of looking at relationships that's relatively new in our culture, um, it, what it comes from is our culture's emphasis on hyper-individualism, um, extreme consumerism, And that everything in life has become commodified. Everything's a commodity. Even in a sexual relationship, I mean, bodies are just commodified, right? Everything's just a thing you can have for yourself. Um, And I want to tell you that this soil, the soil of these things, is acidic to the way of Jesus. And it's acidic to trying to have church be the kind of body, the kind of family that Jesus wants it to be. That is so acidic. And that's what we're fighting in our culture right now is that stuff. But I want you to know that we really believe that we're to think of our relationships with each other in covenantal kind of terms rather than individualistically and consumeristically. That's kind of a lot of stuff, right? Let me, let me push a little further into this. So hang with me if you would. Everybody take a breath. I need a breath. Okay. So the idea that when God looks at church, it's not to him organizational, it's organic, Right? Family and body being primary, that we're members of a body, we're members of a family. That when God looks at this family, it's a covenant family that he has created. And I just want to go to that idea of family, that um, seeing church as a family. Turn back a couple of pages in your Bible to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. I'm going to have it on the screen. But here's what it says. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong, who belong to the family of believers. There's that there's that family metaphor again. Right. And I want to tell you the word that's so significant to me is that word belong, because that is a family word belonging. 
um, I found out there was there's some Forsyths down in Fredonia, Kansas. I haven't met them yet, but someday if I do, probably the, que- the question I'll ask them is like, which branch of the Forsyth family do you belong to, right? Belonging is a family word. Um, and the Bible's clear that we belong to church just like we belong to a family. And I want you to know belonging means more than just showing up once a week, right? It means more than once a week. That's not what belonging is. We're not just to attend the family. We are to belong to the family. And there's a really big difference between those two. And so, 12, I want to tell you, we are members. We are intended by God to be members of a covenant family. That's what we're intended to be. And we're intended to belong to this family. So this week I was thinking, what's it mean to belong to a family? And I just had several thoughts. Um, What's the hallmark of a thriving, healthy family? One of the things is, is that if you're in a healthy family, you're living for something bigger than yourself, right? You're living for the family. There's something much larger, and you're not just looking out for number one. In a family, you're seeking the good of the whole, not just the good of yourself, but you want the whole family to thrive and flourish if it's a healthy family. Uh, Parents are really going to like this next one, the next couple. I mean, in a family, everybody, parents as well as children, are contributing members to it, right? Everybody's a contributing member. Everybody pitches in. Everybody shares in the responsibilities. Um, We all contribute our time and effort to the family. And in a family, the whole point is that you're serving, not to be served. And I think in a healthy family, as I was thinking about it, there's a sense of togetherness. That we're together through it all in times of celebration, in times of challenge, and everything in between. I mean, if you've been a family, you got, you got a lot of both, right? That, that whole continuum. And in a family, a strong family, there's a sense of concern for each other, that we care about each other. And that if, if somebody in the family is hurting, that the others come around them to hold them up and to help them out. Give them that special attention. Twelfth, we are meant and called by Jesus to be a covenant family of God, and we are called to belong to each other, to belong. There's a Greek word they used in the early church for this type of belonging. It's the word koinonia. It's frequently translated fellowship, but it refers to very deep intimacy and devotion. We're told in Acts 2 and 4, the word is used several times, and that the early church fostered a very deep sense of koinonia together, this sense of belonging. And I think for the New Testament authors, this koinonia, the way that they, they help define that is with what are called the one another's of Scripture. In the New Testament, there's maybe 20-some one another's, and I'm only going to show you some of them. But to me, this is what it means to have koinonia and to belong. We're told, we're commanded in Scripture to serve one another, to be compassionate to one another, to forgive, to teach and to correct one another, to encourage one another, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. We're called to live in harmony with one another and to offer hospitality to one another. I mean, that's what koinonia is. And that, to me, that's what belonging is. When, when the scripture talks about we belong to the family, that's what it looks like. There's one more one another I didn't put up here. I mean, I left off several, but there's one really significant one. And it's the one that's found the most in the New Testament, which is love one another, to love one another. And the word used here is agape. I think most of us heard of agape love, right? Agape love, somebody has said, is the steadfast sacrificial zeal that seeks the true good of another. That's a powerful definition, isn't it? The steadfast sacrificial zeal that seeks the true good of another. And agape love is unconditional love. 
And I just want you to know, I mean, it, those of you, especially if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you've had family, for, I mean, we've all been in family, right? The real family, real family, the true koinonia, that agape love, it takes energy and it takes time. It takes hard work. It takes blood, sweat, and tears, right? Growing a family, having a family doesn't come overnight. It takes years. And I want to tell you, when it comes to family, you've got to be in it for the long haul. You have to be in it for the long haul. Through the good and the bad, the ups and downs, the, the thin and thick. Is that not right? With family, you're in it for the long haul. You know, in a family, when you don't get your way, you don't just pick up and leave, right? You stay with it. You stick it out. Uh, when I was a kid, I was a little bit tired of some of the rules in my house, so I, kept, I was telling my mom, hey, I'm going to leave and join another family. I'm going to leave. And then one day I finally said, I've decided today is the day I'm leaving. And she called my bluff, and she went and got a suitcase and started packing up my stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? She says, well, you're going to leave and join another family. I'm packing. I'm like, I don't want to leave. Like, what are you doing? And it worked. <laughs> I never use that thread again. But that's what family's like, right? You don't just give up on family. Because no family's perfect. We all have our Uncle Eddie's, our Aunt Bethany's, and our Uncle Lewis's. I don't know how many of you get that reference, but it's a pretty funny movie. We all have those. We all have our quirky cousins, our weird uncles. We all have our loud and annoying aunts. We all have siblings that rub you the wrong way because we didn't ask for any of our siblings, right? We've all got that. But despite all of that, when things go wrong in your family, you just don't bail. You stick it out. You hang in there. You love them unconditionally. You stay in the relationship because there's a sense of loyalty to family. Amen? We hear an amen to that? Is that not right? And that's how God talks about his church as a family. So I want you to know what 12th, the leadership, this is something we've been talking about for a little while. We're really seeking to move towards a covenantal understanding of that word member and a more organic understanding um, to where it's not the idea, and I don't know that everybody had this, but I did, that it's not so much joining a club or an organization, but it's, it's, it's like covenanting that I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm putting a stake down that I'm a member of a family. That's where we're moving with that. Um, that word member to us, what it's, what it's meaning, and we'll, this, we'll talk more in the future about this, is just acknowledging the reality that I belong to this church as a family. I am a member of the family. And being a member of the family means I'm living for something bigger than myself. I'm living for the family that I'm a contributing member, that I live serving the family, that I seek the good of the family, that I strive to have a sense of togetherness, that I care about members in the family, that I love in an agape kind of love the people in the family, that I hang in there and I stick it out. So in the future, when we talk about covenant membership, this is kind of laying the groundwork so you'll kind of understand what we're talking about and the way we're thinking about it. Don't think too much about that right now. I really don't want you to miss kind of the point of what we're doing. Um, just this idea of family and a covenant family. So I want Kylie to come up now. Kylie, there was somebody else in first service named Kylie who really freaked out when I said Kylie's coming up because they, they were like, what? Um, Kylie McGregor, I'm having her come up because I, I have so much love and respect for Kylie. Um, Kylie, I think, I mean, a lot of it is, one, I just like you. In a minute, they'll find out we're very similar, right? But um, just you have made 12th, like you've, been, you've come into it like it's family. And I really respect that. I've always respected that about you. 
And so that's why I want to invite you up. So just tell us a little bit about who you are for those who don't know. Well, like he said, my name is Kylie McGregor. Um, I graduated from Emporia State in 2020, and so I'm the um, first part of my second year teaching first grade at Walnut here in town. I started attending 12th and the process of it becoming my family um, in 2017-18, same time I started going to Christian Challenge and that type of thing as well. So, um, and first service, you asked me a little bit about my yeah. scripture journey, so I can lead up with that as well. Um, I accepted Christ when I was 15, but didn't really understand how personal, personal of a God he is and um, how deeply he wants that intimate relationship with me until I started coming to 12th and to Christian Challenge, where I was really exposed to that idea of um, just a relationship with God and how that should be the foundation and the driving force of our faith. Yeah. So I, I just want you to tell us, I asked you this the other day, like for you to, to, to not just make this part of the family, but you become part of the family. Like what, what did that look like? What are some things you did or? Well, the word that we talked about was intentionality. Now, um, just being really intentional and coming in and finding a place to serve multiple places to serve, whatever it looks like, um, and also just like a deeper community. So not just saying hi to a couple of people Sunday morning, but really connecting with a smaller group of individuals um, within the body who can hold you accountable, um, just being in the word and in prayer and confessing sin, just those types of things, and just really being connected on that deeper level. Yeah. Any other things about that? That's good. You're like, I don't know. What do you want me to say? So I got to tell you a secret about Kylie. If you know her, you might not know this. It may not appear this way, but she is an extreme introvert. And again, if you know me, I'm an introvert. So I was really worried about this interview that like we'd sit up here and have nothing to say. We would just stare at each other for, for 10 minutes. Um, and even part of the reason I had you up there, because as an introvert, like how did you do that? Because there are people out here that are like introverts. And for them to initiate or to say, I want to have this to be more of a family, like what would you say to those introverts that are out here? Well, um, I have a friend who's, who's here, and I'm going to share this real quick, because I didn't share this in the first service, but I thought about it when she walked in the door. There's this joke, like, how introverts make friends. 95% of it is an extrovert adopts them, and the other 5% is dogs count as friends. <laughs> That's not at all the case. Um, again, it goes back to just being intentional in um, initiating just your involvement. Like, people aren't always going to come to you to initiate those deeper relationships. I've been blessed with people who did pursue that friendship with me and kind of guided me into that connection. But as introverts, we have to grow into that as well and yeah. learn to kind of step out of our comfort zones to be engaged on a deeper level. Yeah, not just waiting for people to come to me, which is easy for introverts to do, right? And then a lot of times introverts are like, well, that place doesn't feel like a family. And I've learned it's because I'm not being family, and there's, it's a two-way street. You could really quickly, yesterday you had a definition of introvert that I really loved, or about two introverts hanging out. We're content with companionable silence. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. We could sit up here for 30 minutes in silence and be companionable and totally content. Okay. What encouragement, final encouragement would you give to the people here? Like, I'm challenging. I'm saying the Word of God talks about being a family and belonging, like, 
what would your final encouragement be? Any final things you would say? I would say we really need to redefine our understanding of what it means to be engaged, to be a part of a family, a body. Um, in the sense, like, specifically that if my life belongs to Christ, then by extension, my life belongs to the body. And that doesn't mean I have to spend every minute here or every minute, you know, in deep, you know, spiritual conversation with people, but it does mean that I prioritize the needs of the local body that I'm a part of. Um, and just, again, going back to that word intentionality, just intentionally investing in the lives of those around me. Being part of a community, family, doesn't happen by accident. It yeah. takes some real effort. I wrote that down for service because it was so good. Would you say that thing again? Yeah. If my life... If my life belongs to Christ, then by extension, my life belongs to the body. Yeah, isn't that powerful? Okay. May your tribe increase. Love and respect you, so. All right. Thank you, Kylie. Can we thank her for coming up and sharing? Um, I want to tell you the reason, I mean, we're doing this, this whole sermon today is really the way we look at church is so important. The way you see it, the lens that you look at it through affects how you're involved. Um, if you see church as just a human organization that you can like just join or, or become a part of um, with perks and privileges and you come and you can get religious good and services here. Hey, they do good stuff for our kids and I like the music or whatever. I mean, if that's all it is, if it's just a thing that you come to like you know, like Sam's Club or Costco, where you can get better discounts at this church than maybe another church or whatever. If that's how you see it, you're going to live your life very disconnected from this place, and you're going to be a person that attends but never belongs. And Christ calls us to belong. He calls us to belong. I want to tell you, if we understand church first and foremost as the people of God, as an organism that He has created, His bride that He loves of his body, of his family, if we see it that way, if we see church as a covenant community of people, um, again, as a body, as a family, can you imagine what a church would become like if everybody who was there, that's how they saw it, and that's how they lived into it? Can you imagine what a church could become like? Can you imagine? And can you imagine the kind of impact that kind of church could have on a community? Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Everybody out there, and it's not just the young people, people in my generation have become very contractual in how they view relationships. It's everywhere. So many people, everything's contractual. Can you imagine if they could see a place that really we thought of our community and our family in a very covenantal way? I think it could have a profound impact. So I have a few questions, some things I've been thinking and asking myself this week that I want to have you ask. First question is this, what is the main way... I see my relationship to the church. I mean, in reality, is it covenantally or is it contractually? Is it a place that you can come to and get good stuff, whatever it is, good spiritual goods? If eventually it gets dry and stale here or whatever, you can, you know, you'll bail and go find the next place that has better spiritual goods? Or do you view your involvement here and your relationship covenantally? And how about this one? How do I, do I treat 12th as my family? 
I almost put, do I see? That's initially a wrote. Do I see 12th as my family? But I know introverts and I know myself, and it's easy for an introvert to be like, well, they're not much of a family to me. I mean, I've been there, okay? I understand that. Well, they're not much of a family to me. It doesn't feel like family. And part of the reason is, is because I was always standing off in the corner, right? And I wasn't engaging people. So here's what I want to know is, do I treat, here's a question for you, do I treat 12th as my family? And do I simply attend or do I belong? Because there's a big difference. So let me get practical as we wind down um, on what it means to be with a family. As the leadership of we've talked, we've come up with, to us, six G's of what it means to belong. The six G's. And they are this, God, gathering, gifts, giving, grace, and gospel. That I'm daily cultivating my relationship with God. That if I'm engaged in this body, if I'm engaged, I'll be daily cultivating my relationship with God. That I'll be gathering regularly with the body, not just once a month. That this gathering is actually significant to me. Like the early church, they gathered large in the temple, and they gathered small in homes, 15 or less usually. That's how big their homes were. They gathered both large and small. That I, I'm, I'm going to take the gathering seriously. I'm going to, the, the big gathering ha- is significant, but those small things you talked about, like your Thursday night triad, right? I'm going to gather small because that's where a lot of real life stuff happens. Gifts that I really believe that I am a member of this body and that I should serve the body through my gifts and my abilities. That is not just a place I come, but I contribute and I serve. The giving is part of it because families give to each other. Just had Carissa's birthday last week and we all gave her gifts. That's what family does. Leveraging my resources to advance the kingdom through this body and what God's doing in this body. Like reaching the nations, which is so profound. Not a lot of churches do this much anymore. But giving. Through grace, that my commitment to be gracing in this body, to treat people here with kindness and respect, to know that we're all on a hard journey in following Jesus, right? Right? That we're all stumbling towards following Him. That for all of us, it's three steps forward and two steps back every week, right? Three steps forward, two steps back, and that we treat each other with grace and kindness in that journey. And then gospel, that we're seeking to share our faith with those in our sphere of influence. The middle four especially are really how do I relate to the family, and here's my challenge. I challenge everybody here to right now look at those four, and I, I challenge you to pick one and say, I, maybe there's people who are doing great. I'm sure there are in all four areas, but you ask the question, is there one of those four I'm not really doing well in, that I need to get better if I'm going to belong here, if I'm going to be engaged? You know, maybe it's, maybe it's um, the gathering, that the next time we do small group sign-up or life group, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up for that, and I'm going to take that risk of getting to know some people on a smaller level. Um, maybe it's, you know, I show up, but I don't ever contribute and serve in any way. And there's a lot of needs here that we have of service and of doing kingdom work, and it's like, I'm just going to chip in. And even if I'm not good at it, I'm going to chip in because I'm not. I can tell you, I do not have the gift of taking out the, the trash. I don't have that spiritual gift. But it's something that I do more than once a week, okay, because I'm chipping in because that's what you do with family. Um, Maybe it's I'm going to start giving a little more. Maybe I'm just throwing a little money in here or there just so I don't feel too bad. But it's like I'm going to actually start giving with intentionality and regularity because I want to help advance the kingdom of God. In whatever way, I really want to challenge you to pick one of those and to ask the question, how can I up my game in belonging to this body? You guys heard the phrase, blood is thicker than water? 
Yeah, that's a family thing, right? You say that about family. I want you to know it's the same in the church, that all of us are connected to each other through the blood of Christ. And we're family. We're brothers and sisters. And blood is thicker than water to us, the blood of Christ. I love what Hebrews 2.11 says of Jesus. The one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Isn't that cool? Brother Samuel, where's Samuel? He was here first service. You know, Brother Samuel's always calling us brother or brother, right? I mean, isn't that cool that when Jesus looks at you, he sees you as family, and what he says to you, I am not ashamed to call you brother. I'm not ashamed to call you sister. And we shouldn't be that either. Joshua Clay Camp wrote this about the early church. He said the early church thought of themselves as a brotherhood. There were not churches on every street corner, not back then. So these guys were bound to each other like survivors in a life raft on a hurricane-tossed ocean. They needed each other, they loved each other, and they protected each other. And here's his challenge to us. At the end of the day, we should view ourselves in the same way as flesh and blood brothers, not patrons of the same country club. Not patrons of the same country club because we belong to the family of God. We're members of the family of God. Um, you know, I'm, I live in the church world, and I want to tell you, um, there are a lot of churches these days. The temptation is, is to cater to the individual whims and desires of all the individual consumers that are out there to get more people in the seats in churches. It's, it's, it's going on all over the place. It's the big temptation. And a lot of churches are doing anything they can to lure and to entice more club members, you know, with perks and privileges and all of that. And really appealing to those consumer desires because the number one goal really for a lot of churches is to get more behinds in the seats. And I, had, I used the word behinds because I knew there would be some kids in here. Not too many, but a few. Or I didn't want to offend any of the adults. But they really want to get behinds in the seats. And I want to tell you at 12, for me and for the leadership, because we've been talking about this, okay, for us, we have zero. I have zero interest in just getting behinds in seats. I have zero interest in that. What I'm interested in are people who will say, I, want, I follow Jesus and I want to be a part of a family. I want to belong. I see myself as a member and I want to be part of, I want to covenant with these people. That's what I care about and that's what I'm looking for. So at 12th Avenue, we long to be a family. We long to be a community, a biblical community of kingdom people. That's what we long to be. People who are joining God in his mission to restore all things back to himself. One person, one place at a time. So 12th, may we become a family, not just an organization, not just a club with perks. May we be a family who love and care for each other and that we chip in and we belong. May we become that. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, thank you for like your word, for just all the, the analogies, the metaphors you use for your body, for the church, that it's a body, it's a family, The bodies have members, that families have members. And that you call us to a a higher level than just belonging to an organization. You actually call us to be part of something that's living and breathing. And to be actual members of it. And to belong. And to be a part of a covenant family that you have created. And Lord, we've been praying this as leaders and as staff. And our prayer is, Lord, is that we would become truly a covenant family. And that's our heart's desire. So... I know it's a long journey, 
Family takes time, but Lord, please be having us on that journey and moving us that way. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, the one who gave everything to, to establish a covenant, not just with me, but with all of us as a family. And I pray in his name. Amen. All right, 12th, as I said, there are a lot of people out there, a lot of people who everything to them is contractual, and they are so desperately hungry for something more than that because the human heart needs covenant relationships. And just the funerals told me there's a lot of people out there who have no clue if they die where they're going to go. There's a lot of people. And we all touch lives like that. So as always, 12th, we have spheres of influence of hungry people. So you are sent.